like there's there's not for instance a smoking crater like outside of right. your apartment or anything like that yeah nothing no, and no sirens or anything like following in the next like five to 30 minutes nothing. so you were like the only one that heard this mysterious explosion what time in the morning uh boy a, a nice uh better than a rooster call is a nice morning explosion to get the old blood pumping get you out of bed yeah it wasn't loud enough for me to be like ah this is an oppenheimer situation or like i do hate when robert comes over because he's always blowing (laughs) shit up he loved he loved blowing shit up but it was yeah it wasn't enough to get me out of bed which is dumb because i was like it could have been the cat but (laughs) it really did not sound like it was the cat or it was like the cat like it would have to be the cat like going at full force into the window and mm-hmm. something like smashing outside because the blinds is what rustled and that's when i was like something has happened something's going on but uh again you're the only person in the greater los angeles area that is any the wiser are cats known for setting bombs because i'm about to adopt two <gasps> and so i'm i'm worried that they're gonna explode me they could a cat will set off a bomb tom of and jerry fame he loved a bomb that's so that kevin that is a great point tom could not stop with the bomb <laughs> tom loved the bomb and says the thing you gotta know about tom tom cat it's like he's both of my cats are gonna steal the holes in my walls stick dynamite stick several sticks of dynamite inside <laughs> of them they're gonna like cower around the corner and then like my paint things are gonna like push themselves off the wall and then hold back onto the wall yeah and there's gonna be smoke coming out of everywhere everything but the mouse, mouse hole is still hole gonna be going alive. to explode you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be rough that's what cat ownership is like yeah it's kind of part of the deal that's like it's in the fine print of adoption papers that you don't read it's in the fine print that just like sometimes being a cat parent is just watching your cat run face first into a frying pan and then their head takes the shape <laughs> of the frying pan and that's just that's just part of it you know, and when you're, if you're a responsible pet owner, you're willing to put up with this, you know? It's not all cuddles all the time. I can make this... As a lifelong member of Team Jerry, I, I'm, I, I never considered this aspect of cat ownership. Right. We can make this frying pan into a drying pan. <laughs> From Pokemon. From Pokemon the anime. He made a frying pan into a drying pan, and he held it oh, over his head, and it stopped yes. the rain from falling onto his head. This was Brock. Twas Brock. Former gym leader, Brock, who really now spent the rest of his parent. time making an ass of himself. Former gym leader, now adventure companion with a random kid. Yeah, with a, <laughs> with a small child. I guess, you know, but, like, Pokemon ages are so weird and skewed that, like, oh, Brock is supposed to be, like, 16 or something like that. Eternal simp, Brock, the, the rock gym leader of the Kanto region. Yeah, and then he also, you know... Ash started collecting the gym leaders more than Pokemon because he also got the second one yeah. and then he just stopped. He just stopped. He said, I do not want the American military general who specializes in electric type Pokemon. That was a red flag. I'm going to roast a particular sexuality um, That's good. right now. <laughs> wow. And usually it's straight people, but not this time. This time it's... <laughs> You're off the hook this time, straight people. <laughs> Though some of you fit in this category, but um, I have experienced a lot of, in my community, specifically the the trans queer community, but trans-leaning, um, 
this wave of polyamory. And I think I, the way I've observed this form of polyamory, this quote, ethical non-monogamy is I've witnessed a lot like catching Pokemon for them. And mm. <laughs> it's catching partners that have different skill sets and different <laughs> abilities. So well, that you, you have, gotta get your ice type sexual partner you you know, to be good against all. dragon, but they're weak to fire, so you need like a ground type sexual exactly. partner. Exactly. It's like to a, switch out. It's like cherry picking, but it, it feels more like Pokemon because it's also trans people in different evolved stages. And so it is like this weird, um, like one is never enough. And you can have your like primary like Pikachu, but you still have like more. Um, and this is just such a controversial opinion for me to just put out there. But Run I the think Julia's it- is a safe space. <laughs> well, you've got, yeah, you've got your Pikachu partner walking around right behind you. Yeah, that's your prime. But you've also got five others in your pocket exactly. ready to go at a, at a moment's notice and some are very tradable i think i'm coming yeah. from a place as being a very tradable pokemon for about some a year partners can only evolve after trading yeah and i personally uh was a very tradable pokemon um mm-hmm. for about a year i was i was like outside tier in, you in were like a, you were a haunter or a graveler or a machoke, and it was like you needed to be traded to like really get up to like the top tier that you deserve to be. Well, I've, yeah, I've kind of just been bouncing around for a while, not really a main. You guys, you guys engaging in any double battles lately? <laughs> <laughs> I did over the summer. No, I've not, I, I, I'll be honest. I've never double battled. Uh, you know, I find I find the one-on-one battle system to to work out remarkably well. I guess I'm open to a double battle depending on you know who the other trainer is. Yeah, I did a double battle with my ex this summer, and it was pretty fun. That's such a powerful statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've double battled, but not not in some time. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit. You know, I feel like we're still coming out of what. It, pokemon metaphor can i use in place of covid it just kind of feels stun spore yeah after the (laughs) stun spore it just feels like maybe some people are like a little hesitant even still to be like getting back into double battling sure oh wow interesting yeah i mean there's there's also a new surge so that makes sense lieutenant Surge. (laughs) i didn't do a double battle until um the vaccine i was very mm. just just solo or like me and my the thing also about this pokemon analogy is like mm-hmm. you're in the power role and you're assigning everyone else's pets in a way so in that way it doesn't work either in many Listen, ways there's it doesn't a power work. dynamic question that has always <laughs> been present in pokemon but like the thing is is like if you are old enough to start questioning the power dynamic of pokemon pokemon's probably not for you anymore if you are no longer willing to buy into the fundamental fiction it's maybe just time to like go to something else you know yeah do you guys identify more as trainers or as pokemon trainers right now they're trainer for me as someone who's in direct pre-production to a film shoot i'm in big trainer mode and i'm trying to corral some fucking pokemon let me tell you very much word I I'm feel like, like Tauros, me, please send me your scripts. 
And he goes, <laughs> My reasoning is more like, like, I think about Pokemon and I'm like, damn, I love Wailord. But I don't think that a Wailord would be like, my favorite Pokemon's Wailord. So <laughs> I gotta be a trainer, I guess. Gotta be a trainer. Yeah, I don't know. I'm more of a, a daycare center employee. Oh, I love that. I, I've always thought that's my role in the Pokemon universe. <laughs> Your role is to take care of the the one ditto that the trainer got and then breed yeah. them endlessly. Um, I have an Espeon and I'm like holding a Blossom in my arms while you come into the daycare center and I'm like, what can I help you with? <laughs> <laughs> that's so ideal. That's so, that's so great. I want to be Nurse Joy just chilling back there with like a Chansey. It was like... Throw them on the machine. They hurt. We'll throw them. We'll throw them in the machine. Just real quick. It'll take like five seconds. I want to be the messy alcoholic cop that is Officer Jenny. Officer Jenny. <laughs> None of us chose Team Rocket, and that's why oh, the, the revolution is failing. Is so I love far, Team people Rocket. are just not joining up. Everyone loves to post online and be like, "Yeah, Team Rocket has some points." I think Team Rocket really does need to take down the system, but no one's willing to like actually go out there and do it. Yeah, this is a call to action. Yeah. yeah. It's questionable that this is a podcast with th- three queer people on it if none of us picked Team, <laughs> Team Rocket. Rocket. That's true. I think I was just thinking of more in like the service industry of Pokemon. I think I was yeah. less thinking about all of the options. Mm-hmm. Less because thinking about overt the- terrorism. Yeah, because like, that I'd be down for. But also, like, the Team Rocket grunts must have day jobs. Like, they're... That's a good point. I don't think they're getting paid. Actually, they feel really, like, like trust fund babies to me. Like, I would love to know <laughs> who their parents are. Canonically... James does have a rich backstory. Yeah. Canonically, at least Jesse and James do. But yeah, your average Rocket grunt, I mean, is not dissimilar from just, like, a guy peddling cheap drugs on the street corner. Afraid so. I've also been playing, I've been playing a Pokemon fan game called Pokemon Infinite Fusions, where you can fuse any two Pokemon into... That's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's sick as hell. And it opens up a lot of uh, conversations in our uh, uh, queer Pokemon analogy. There's a lot going on there when you think about, like, combining a Venusaur and an Alakazam, as I have done in every playthrough I've done in this game. Um it just it, it opens up some doors. I think a student showed me this, but it was just avatar based. It wasn't like a playable thing. So it must have evolved in the last few uh-huh. years. Yeah, it's super playable. I saw a video yesterday on TikTok comparing a Z move in the official game versus one in a fan made game. And the one in the fan made game was like the craziest animation you've ever seen. <laughs> and then the like the official game is like yeah, it moves like their arms three times, and that's it. <laughs> right. Um, you know, lots of criticism can be leveled at Game Freak for the graphics of their games. I'm not your man for for those discussions. I haven't played through a Pokemon game since, like, maybe Platinum, maybe White version. Oh, wow. Shit. So, yeah, it has been a long time for you. Um, I am someone who every time there's a new Pokemon generation coming out, I'm like, maybe this is like, maybe I just don't jump onto this one. Uh, excuse me. And then I always, always inevitably do. And like, the thing is, if you, if you look up Pokemon game discourse on the internet, 
you will find nothing but people saying that, like, the most recent Pokemon game is, like, an affront, not only an affront to humanity, but, like, a violation of better business practices, should not be legal software sold on the market. And then I play it, and I'm like, this is a really fun game. They really got something here. This Pokemon game is fun as hell. I definitely support all the new girls that are coming out. Um, I, I love them all equally. I, I hear we're up to or over a thousand of them now. My that's great. God, that's incredible. It's incredible what they've built, what they've done. Uh, and uh, you know what? Welcome back to Run the Julias, uh, the only podcast brave enough to cover every single work by America's sweetheart, Julia Roberts. Uh, I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan. I am Kat Scott. I use they, them pronouns. Amazing. And joining us for the our first guest, a podcast superstar, a podcast impersario, former roommate of the pod. You may know him as the host of the Bitter Jurors podcast, of the Buffy Boyfriends <laughs> podcast. Sam Stanish, welcome to the damn show. I had no idea I was the first guest. Thank you so much for having me. So I use he, him pronouns, and I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I, I, I love this film. <laughs> it's just, here's the thing. You throw on Ocean's Eleven. I don't know how many times each of you have individually watched the film Ocean's Eleven. But for me, the experience is every time I throw it on, I say, mm, damn, this is one of the best fucking movies I've ever seen in my entire life. This is movie is amazing. This movie's fucking good. I think Completely. last time I watched it uh, was when I rented it from Blockbuster, and now I'm not convinced that it even was Ocean's Eleven. It could have been Ocean's Twelve. So, And listen, we will talk about Ocean's Twelve, but I want to save it uh, because everyone is so wrong about Ocean's Twelve. Ocean's Twelve is incredible. Uh, I did watch it after watching Ocean's Eleven because I just wanted to, uh, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is an incredible, incredible film. Uh, that many people hate with every fiber of their being. Uh, and But we, we ain't talking no 12. We ain't going to no Amsterdam. We ain't seeing no Catherine Zeta-Jones. Mm. All right? We are going to Sin City, baby. And we are talking about the 2001 Steven Soderbergh heist. It's, it's every piece of heist media that has come out since this movie has been ripping this movie off directly in like 400 discreet ways it's totally. just, it's, it's impossible to describe the degree to which this changed the heist genre um and it was kind of just like a bunch of people fucking around in many many ways you know this uh, ocean's 11 gets made one year after the year where director steven soderbergh was up for Best Picture twice. He was fighting against himself in the year 2000. Wow. Um, and that gave him a lot of cachet in, in Hollywood, as you might imagine. And he's like, what if we remade, like, a shitty Rat Pack movie from the 60s and I put a bunch of movie stars in it and also I made it look beautiful and the script was really good. And guess what? It worked. That was a good hey, idea. Hey. The music's gonna rule too. Don't forget about score's that. Score's gonna be incredible. Score's gonna be so good. You're not even gonna believe. It. And we're gonna like remix it when we go to a Chinese opera, and so it's like a Chinese version of the theme. It's gonna be so good. Claire de Lune, you've never heard it like this before. <laughs> Had he done Aaron Brockovich? Was that the? 
Yes, this is this is okay. uh, like the year following Aaron Brockovich. So Julia Roberts is fresh off Sweet Oscar, and Julia Roberts, of course, does what uh, many people do after they win Sweet Oscar, and they go fuck around and do some fun movies for a little while. They're like, "Cool, I did the serious one. I got the trophy." Time to fuck around. Nowadays, that's like, oh, Brie Larson wins an Oscar. Now she's Captain Marvel. That is that is the the trajectory that these people take. Uh, whereas in the two thousands, it was like, sweet, uh, Julia Roberts, you win Best Actress, getting in Oceans. Catherine Zeta Jones, you win Best Supporting Actress, getting in Oceans. You know, it's just that's that's what happened. You just you you were a tertiary character in an oceans movie it kind of feels like a favor to in a way just based on the content that she's given here Mm -hmm. we don't really get that that julia roberts smile at all um she has to be demure in this kind of sad and even at the end we don't get a lot of it so it feels kind of like hey i just did this great movie with you yeah i'll do your next thing for fun will you be the fifth largest uh body on the poster where all the bodies are kind of going down in a sort of descending order um and and that's why she's doing i mean it is a full 40 minutes before julia roberts appears on screen in this movie um it's a complete like revelry it's a complete up up upending of everything that we've seen so far as we discover now there is a completely personal angle to this and then and then she has, like, you You honestly need Julia Roberts for this part, or, like, one of the very few people that are on her level, because you have to make so much happen so quickly. The audience needs to understand, like, yeah, of course Danny is trying to, like, win this woman back. She's Julia Roberts. And you get the, my favorite scene in the fucking movie, like, their first meeting back together in the, in the, in the restaurant... And they're incredible, like, back-and-forth exchange. You need to understand the full dynamic of these two people. You need to understand, like, why this man is risking it all after getting back out of prison just to get his incredibly hot wife back. And you get it. It's, uh, that's, that's Julia. That's why you need Julia to play Tess. I, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting piece of homework to talk about julia roberts movies and then talk about oceans 11 because obviously she's you know not in this so much compared to the named the eponymous 11 men and then also uh (laughs) terry benedict so she's like she's not the any of the people mentioned in the title and she's not the villain so she's like kind of the 13th string um obviously she has a bigger role than some of the dudes but you know she she's incredible in this movie she's so good and you know what it is it is matt damon as linus who says it best when he says like best part of my day and then julia roberts comes down the stairs and i'm like that's how i feel watching all these movies this is this is so nice to just hang out with julia for a little while who was your favorite performer of this movie besides julia well, I act. This brings me to a theory I had while watching this film. And Kevin, you asked me, or you didn't ask me, but you mentioned like I don't know how many times you've seen this movie before. I genuinely could not even begin to calculate. Like I have no idea how many times I've seen Ocean's Eleven. Like it was on all the time on TV. But also, like my mom and my sister also really love this movie, and we owned it on it and Ocean's Twelve on DVD. Ocean's Twelve was on TV all the time too, and so both of these movies are just like. I have seen them so an unbelievable amount of times. But bringing me to my theory, 
I think that every time you watch this movie, you come away from it with a crush on a new one of the mm. teams. Totally. I, I totally. agree. I love that. A hundred percent. For me this time, it was the French bomb guy. Uh, <laughs> like, he's great. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's a good question. Well, I mean, I think this time, because I was specifically looking at it in a Julia lens, it like really, you know, painted in all the test stuff. Uh, but, you know, I have a phenomenal lifelong crush on George Clooney, you know, and, and Danny Ocean. <laughs> Danny Ocean, he, you know, because everyone on the team has, like, a different uh, skill set or whatever. Danny never really does a lot. Like, obviously, he's the one putting these teams together. It's kind of like his master plan. But as far as executing elements of the plan, his job is usually sitting back in a room, like, looking at a computer um, but his superpower, if he has a role, is like, I am cool. You can't shake me. You can't flap me. I am going to walk into the room. Everybody kind of likes me. You know, I'm, I'm Danny Ocean. Like, this is, what are you going to do? You going to hurt me? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of Rusty's thing, too. Like, he's just, they're both yeah. just kind of like, they're, and they are good at, they're, they're good thieves and they know what they're talking about, but they, they don't have like a, Superpower. Danny <laughs> and Rusty just, like, are so. I think the only proper reading of this film franchise is that they are husbands and they are just in like semi non monogamous <laughs> marriage. I think that is the only way for me to interpret these movies. Yeah, or they're exes that know that they're just like really, really good at business together. So yeah. they're glued together. They started the business together and they broke up, but it like it works too well. We we have to keep doing this. It's the only it's the only way either of us are gonna are gonna keep going. The Wikipedia hole I went down for this was Oh, that one young guy, he's like kinda charismatic, he looks familiar. Oh, that's Casey Affleck. Oh, <laughs> oh. Matt Damon is Ben Affleck's best friend. I wonder why Ben pa- he definitely had to have been up for this. It was definitely Ben was Matt's best friend. What mm. happened there? And then I went down more holes and there was some interview where I think Ben Affleck was joking, but was like, mm-hmm. I just didn't think that George Clooney had the star power <laughs> and, what a boy. and passed up on it. <laughs> and they've worked together since then. Um, Who would Ben? And I th- guess Ben would have had to have been like Rusty, right? Because ben, Ben's think, not going to be playing the Casey Affleck part. I don't know what. I don't know where he was in his career at that point. I don't Post know. Post Oscar. He also had an Oscar under his okay. belt. Okay. Yeah. I guess Matt did too. On the um, production tab of the Wikipedia page, they talk about all the various boys who were considered for various roles of this film. And one, I just like, I'm very glad that Johnny Depp was not cast in the role of Linus Caldwell. Oh <laughs> Could Which have been. one was Linus? That's Matt Linus Damon. is Matt Damon, oh, the yeah. younger guy. Oh, that would have been then, bad. He's no, not good Matt in that Damon. kind of stuff. Damon's yeah. so good in I was going to say, movies. I think He's Matt right was my favorite performer of this watch. And then the role that I would want to be the most was the, like, Cockney bomber that does the... Mm-hmm. 100%. Basher. Yeah, not French. <laughs> incredible. The incredible Basher Tar, as played by Don Cheadle. God bless. God the bless. The pinch, right? I the loved pinch. that thing. We need a pinch. The pinch. I loved that it was just like lime green bubbles in like a tube. I was just right. obsessed with that. That Everyone was my in favorite. the audience knows what that is. That fucking Star Trek prop they brought in for, for this I movie I was like 
this is what I was craving out of Oppenheimer was the pinch, and I got it here. <laughs> I mean, listen, there's some cast carryover: Casey Affleck, Matt Damon. They're mm-hmm. they're in they're in Robbie Oppie's uh, fun time desert land. You know, I like. I'm sure many other viewers of this film immediately googled Ocean's Eleven is a is pinch real? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is pinch real? And. It, it, they do exist, you know, it, with the note that it probably couldn't black out the entire right. city of Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, but going back to Matt Damon as Linus Caldwell, I do think that this was one of my earliest crushes prior to understanding Absolutely. what I was experiencing. Absolutely. Um, he's He's got or, that what vibe. And it's sort of that, like, that, like, forbidden sleeper cop vibe, too, which he's played many <laughs> times. Like... The like, well, I'm not like I'm not like the other cops. I'm the kind of, I'm kind of a narc, but I'm kind of bad. Like I don't know. He's I it's he's 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 a good boy who is too curious about the other side of the tracks, and that's like his sweet spot. Absolutely. Yeah, and he's constantly getting cl- made fun of and embarrassed by George Clooney and Brad Pitt. It's like I I learned a lot from this movie. <laughs> I also found that Ben Affleck refuses to eat food based on like some early childhood acting experience of continuity eating food. And he resented wow. how Brad Pitt always eats food in almost every scene or is drinking something, which I had never noticed. And then by the end, definitely noticed. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, fam- famously. Brad-, Brad Pitt is an actor who loves to eat on screen in general, but it- Rusty's primary character trait is uh, eating food. That That is most of his personality. Is eating- I think the only scene where he's not directly eating is when he's teaching 90s teen uh, soap stars to play poker. You know, like, I think that's the only scene maybe where he's not, where he's not munching something down. He must have a beer or something. He's got though. it, right? You know, when he's teaching like Topher Grace and Joshua Jackson and a, and a bunch of people Holly I didn't Marie recognize. Combs. Yeah, guy from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, Mr. Casey. Fringe. Yeah, yes, one of the fringes. They made um, like a TV star joke too, which was funny because it was. I thought that it was like a direct dig to that '70s show and um, Dawson's Creek. I thought, I say, yeah. Because they're, yeah, he says, like, I'm teaching, like, TV stars how to play poker or whatever, and they all suck, and they don't care, and they're just, like, fucking around. It's very, it's very funny. Topher Grace will, of course, be a running theme throughout the Oceans movies. Uh, He will appear in all of them, menacing Rusty's life. Even more, even more appearances than Julia Roberts herself. Because Julia Roberts is not in Oceans 13, and... It's just, it's one of the fundamental problems I have with Ocean's 13. I have friends that love Ocean's 13. I personally think it's fine. It's a perfectly fine way to spend a couple hours of your life. But losing Tess is just, it's a no-go for me. And the way that Tess appears in Ocean's 12, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for any audience members that have not not been graced by that incredible sequence. Uh, But boy, she's the beaten heart of this franchise for me. I it's Ocean's Twelve is obviously we're not here to talk about Ocean's Twelve, but the Ocean's Twelve test stuff is 
some of the best. It's it's, it's elite. So it's like galaxy brain filmmaking shit. And like, if someone tells me they hate it, I'm like, I do understand. But I just it, I, that's exactly what I want out of a movie like this. But yeah, I mean, this is you know, I've been looking. I'm on I'm on old Matt Damon's IMDb, and of course he has you know he 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 was acting from a kind of young age. Uh, his first on screen role as Steamer in Mystic Pizza. Uh, go see that episode of this very podcast. Um, but this is kind of the moment because he's in a lot of, you know, in the 90s indie boom, in the Sundance boom. It, Matt Damon is almost like one of the central figures of that between like Goodwill Hunting and appearing in Kevin Smith movies and things like that. And then, you know, he gets the old tap on the shoulder from Stevie Spielberg eh, playing Private Ryan in a movie called Saving Private Ryan. But this is kind of the moment where we're like, should we bet it all on Matt Damon? Where people are wondering, studios are wondering, like, is this the guy or is he going to flash in the pan and, like, disappear? But, I mean, Ocean's Eleven hits big. And then the next year, Born Identity, baby. And Um, we're off to the races. And that's it. Matt Damon's here to stay. And I got to say, Matt Damon, especially nowadays, has become one of those guys where if he shows up in a movie, I'm like, this movie just got a little better. I just, one of the steadiest fucking hands in Hollywood, you see Matt Damon, you're like, oh, well, I'm in safe hands for a little while. And I do trust him. Yeah, but I trust him with the word faggot. And I think... <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> I have to. Every time we... Sam, do say you know Matt- about Matt Damon's uh, relationship with that word? <laughs> no. Okay. His child, like, he, he put out some statement that like was like... kid, I think. Yeah, he he put out a statement that, like, he recently learned not to to say faggot and that people shouldn't say it. And, and this is within, like, the last this. 365 days. Yeah, <laughs> it was, like, very recently he, like, discovered that it was a slur and and no longer uses it. Despite the fact that he uses it constantly, I believe, in, like, The Departed definitely um, comes up in the department it, yeah, it's an honest depiction of the boston lifestyle you know what yeah. i mean if if there if no one said faggot in the departed you'd be like well they're they're really they're really shining this up they're really trying to shine that apple and so i have i have google just now matt matt damon faggot and <laughs> the daily beast article comes up says that his daughter had had to write a treatise quote mm-hmm. on it to show him that faggot was bad yes. in 2021 can you um, can i get like a three page i would love to get a pdf that. i'd love to get a pdf of that God. treatise if anybody has it please matt damon's daughter i be- i'm begging you a discreet dropbox of that file would would enlighten my life to do such a beautiful it's like degree. a keynote presentation and it like goes around <laughs> like on all these different things with like animations they got out the HDMI cable. She had to put it on the big screen for Maddie D. A oh, pointer. Fuck. One of those laser pointers. Yeah. Oh, Whiteboard. God. Beautiful mind. Next slide. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. incredible. The word the word that my daughter calls the F slur for her homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what why did why what is, what is even the context for him revealing this? <laughs> why would he say why would he say any of those? Before, know, like, you don't have to release like a press statement. No, it's like pre cancelled. He was probably like knows there's so much out there, but he hadn't been like Get ahead of it. He hadn't been hadn't come up, but he knew it was it was coming. And so he was like, you know what? 
she's right. I'm going to say this here and now. And it's like, nobody was, no one was there yet, Matt. Quote, I made a joke months ago and got a treatise from my daughter. She left the table. I said, come on, that's a joke. <laughs> it's like, what joke? Yes. I need a whole play-by-play of the entire exactly. situation where he's like saying faggot in front of his daughter. That's why I can't stop bringing this up. I ha- Everyone has to know about it. I've, I've talked about it before. Celeb brain is a, a terminal disease. You know, you when you become famous, you get locked into that age and that mindset and that level of progressiveness for the rest of your life. And it takes a lot to move you past, like, the moment you got famous. And, like, yeah, mid-90s, you know, that word was on the table. Uh, that was still fair game. And uh, he needed to he needed to get past that. And it also has nothing to do with Ocean's Eleven, but I'd be amiss if we didn't shout out Matt Damon's uh, four-episode arc on 30 Rock as Carol the Pilot. I just, (laughs) on a show full of incredible line readings, him on the plane talking about Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul, is uh, is something I think about every single day of my life. I mean, God, but I, I, I know it sounds silly to say, but God, this cast is fucking stacked. You got old hands like Elliot Gould and fucking Carl Reiner, you know, comedy legends of the 70s, just kind of coming in, giving really fun performances. You got Scott. I love that both of the Mormon twins are Nepo babies. I love that it is James Conn's kid and Ben Affleck's brother. And I think that's beautiful. They were they had a bunch of good people on the list for the. I, I just I I've never looked at the people they were ta- in talks with to join the cast, but they were gonna have Luke and Owen Wilson playing the twins for that a little also, bit. Also, I would like to take a look over at that alternate universe. I bet that's pretty fun. But then they they had to decline due to their commitment for the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh shit! And then also, Mike Myers, Bruce Willis, Ewan McGregor, Alan Arkin, and Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes, however you say that, were considered wow. for roles but had to drop out. And the Cohen brothers were considered as replacements for the Wilson brothers. Oh, my God. Uh, and Mark Wahlberg was originally Matt Damon's part but then had to leave to make Planet of the Apes. Well, it seems like Mark Wahlberg is the only real loser of that of that list. It seems to have. I mean, I guess he's still very famous, but he did have to be in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie, which is um, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yeah, he made the oh. wrong choice, but we got Matt Damon out of it. We got Matt Damon minted forever. Now a Soderbergh regular. He loves to throw a little Matt Damon when he's making like no sudden move. He loves to throw in a little Matt Damon, the informant. We wouldn't have the informant if if Matt doesn't do Ocean's Eleven. I'm not going to cancel Matt Damon for this, but it looks, I feel like the one on Wikipedia, it is really, he's very verbose of advocating for his daughter, which is <laughs> really cute. Um, but during Me Too, I think he like was a little too quick to be like, I don't think my friend did that. I don't, I don't know. I don't. And it looks like that was yeah. sort of damage control from like. 2017 to there there is a lot of back and forth on al gore's internet about whether matt damon good or matt damon bad and i think you know because matt damon will equally go out there and say like i don't think my friend me too anybody or like go out there and staunchly like support like teachers union striking you know like on the on the picket line you know what i mean and people are like, is he good or is he bad? And unfortunately, folks, like most of us, Matt Damon, 
right there in the middle. He's got good stuff. He's got bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Is he the one who loves water, or is that someone else? Loves water? Like he might have ads for water. There's a celebrity that loves promoting clean water. Like is it Mark the Ruffalo? Shape of water. Is it yum, a different yum, yum, cast yum. member of Kenneth Lonergan's Margaret? Tasty, tasty. No, Matt you- Damon is a co-founder of Water.org. Oh shit! <laughs> the nonprofit Water.org. Shit, they got in early on the internet on that one. Fuck. Well, amazing. Thank you, Matt Damon. Uh, I guess we, you know, this podcast is not nominally about Matt Damon, but he's an interesting, he's an interesting guy to to talk about. This movie's replete with people. Fucking Bernie Mac is in this movie and just kills it. I love uh, me some Bernie Mac as someone who who grew up watching the Bernie Mac show. Um, a legend of, of uh, stand-up comedy in his time. And uh, he's just a... Frank is a, is a wonderful presence in these movies. Just like a nice sort of bit of comedic relief that isn't as uh, overt and in your face as, as the twins. Yes. I do feel he is potentially suffering from rusty... Oh, Danny syndrome and doesn't really have a full thing that he's con- quote unquote contributing to the he's team. He's the inside man. He works at the and casinos. He, yeah. you know? he watches and he learns things. <laughs> he watches, he learns routines, but yeah, you know, he's not it does kind of feel like okay, without like you could do this maybe with just like Basher and a few other people <laughs> like you do. Like I don't know if we need all 11 members of this of this squad. I feel like Wang, you know, is probably like the most valuable member of the team getting shoved into various tiny spaces, doing backflips, you know, like Danny's not doing any backflips. No. He did that one uh you know, he fell. He did do he- that. Listen, he's not perfect. <laughs> oh, Danny fell. You mean like down like the elevator shaft? Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, like they cut they cut the thing and then he fell. He pretended to get beat up. That was very important. That's what I was going to bring up. He got a little beat up. Yeah, he got a... He got a little for real beat up by his big, big friend, who I assume he met in prison. But yeah, he does does need to get serially beat up. You know, he's kind of like... Danny is like a flashy sort of distraction. You know, like, Terry Benedict is like zeroed in on this guy. Like, what's this guy doing to fuck me over? So that, like... Livingston Dell can go plant wires in the back and and Terry's not going to pay any attention to that guy. Livingston Dell is my husband in another life. <laughs> He's incredible. I love Wh- him. Which one's that one? He's the He's nerdy the technology like, tech guy. guy. Ah, the classic. Yeah. Classic. Sweaty, nervous technology guy. He's a real sweetheart. He's kind of a cute. He's a little cutie, you know? That's your role, right? When you want to be in movies, Kevin, that's your yeah, I would, I, my only, you know, when I, when I have, like, acting dreams, I don't want to be, like, the lead actor in an Oscar drama, I don't want to be the lead actor on Broadway, I want to be the tech guy on CSI, I want, I want to sit behind the screen and be like, buddy, you're not gonna believe this, you know, we found traces of ox blood in this guy's veins, like, what's going on, you know, like, that's what I want to do, so yeah, Living Sindel is sort of my 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 role i would also like to be a part of the twins i think the twins run the risk of being annoying but they're actually not in this movie all that much if you were to like get out your stopwatch so it keeps it like funny and light and quick whereas like i don't know if you remade this movie today and it was like jonah hill and (laughs) seth rogan like maybe they'd run a little long and those those edits would go a little a little long yeah 
has a very untrustworthy face. And has done many untrustworthy things uh, in real life. I don't know if you're aware of that. No. Okay, well, Casey, I'm like, no good. The film trusts you to know, to get their dynamic just from, like, a three-second interaction rather than, like, a four-minute scene. Yes. They you, they get it down. I mean, this, this movie is a, a, a bastion of efficiency in essentially, like, every respect. If I were to teach a screenwriting class, which I very, very well may do someday, I think... The character introductions of Ocean's Eleven are, like, what you put up on the board of, like, they introduce 11 fucking characters in, I think you've met everyone by, like, what, 15, 20 minutes into the movie? And, like, you need, you get one very brief scene with all of them that tells you everything you need to know. And we are not wasting any time we are this is a modicum of efficiency this movie is like under two hours long uh the shoot did not run long because they did not use lights no one no one brought in like a light kit they only used lights that were already in the spaces that they were occupying i was wondering about that that's why it looks so fucking cool because it's like oh we're just using like weird casino lighting no movie looks Mm -hmm. like this movie except for maybe oceans 12 I also, in the Wikipedia hunt of, why is Casey Affleck here? Where is Ben Affleck? And then as I continued to learn about this film, um, it was also shot super quickly. Like, they took very short. It was like a masterclass for the actors in, like, efficiency on set and, like, not wasting time, like, getting the shot and just kind of, like, trusting your actors to give the performances, which is cool. I mean that's one of that's one of Steven Soderbergh's like claims to fame these days. You know he is a modicum of efficiency. He can push projects out at a clip that fucking nobody else is working at. He's the only mainstream director to have embraced shooting movies on an iPhone. He's the only one doing it. Like he's the only guy. Like yeah, I'll shoot a movie on a cruise ship with Meryl Streep. It will be shot on an iPhone. I will be done. He he edits the movies while they're shooting them like the after a day of shooting he takes all the footage from that day he edits it on his macbook so basically by the time they're done shooting the movie is also done editing it's just nobody nobody's got a brain like steven soderbergh it's it's incredible he's 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 the man he's the number one guy i read and this is just that we could really just be doing a podcast about the wikipedia page about oceans 11 but i read that In, like, 2011, an all-female Japanese musical theater troupe adapted the movie to a musical. Wow. And I... I'm... (laughs) I'm, Like, literally, I don't know that I've ever needed to see anything more than this right now in this moment. Wait, I know about this, because when I was in Japan, this is, like, a thing where, like, you can't... You, like, really, really can't be gay in Japan. Um... But <laughs> there's, like, sort of this loophole of all-female, <laughs> like, musical theater performances. It's, like, huge, like, huge production value, kind of like Rockettes. And, like, there's one sort of androgynous girl who plays, like, the dude roles. And they do, like, different, like, known intellectual properties. Um, I think they were doing like, like Titanic. Yeah, and I guess Ocean's Eleven must be one of them. Um, 
but they do this. It was in like Osaka when I was there. I didn't get to see it, but I heard a lot about it because my friend was getting really into drag and it was like the closest thing to drag culture that she could find. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the only really space where you can do gay shit as women in Japan. Wow. Is a community theater productions of, of Ocean's Eleven, the musical. It's not and community theater, though. No, you're it's right. More, you're it's right. more like Rockettes. Like, it's huge. It's the level of, oh, wow, of Rockettes level. That's shit. what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's big. Sell at Carnegie. Hey, I say, bring them over here. Sell at Carnegie Hall. I know. I'm Radio so City Music Hall, bring them in. What else is Radio City Music Hall really being used for? My graduation. Shit. Not really. But NYU usually, like Tish at least, does uh, graduation. So you've had two college graduations at famous theater performance spaces. Yeah, mine was technically at Beacons Theater, which also is one, um, and the Muni. Yeah, yeah, Webster University famously has its graduation ceremonies at the massive outdoor theater, the Muni. Uh, Mine was in the parking lot, though. Of the Muni. Well, the, yeah, there's the main ceremony in the big theater, and then, yeah, you go to some parking lot somewhere where if you are the 2015 graduating class, uh, it is torrenting rain on you the <laughs> entire time. Uh, amazing stuff. Uh, I don't know. We haven't really talked about it. Uh, uh, I really like Andy Garcia as Terry Benedict in this film. Andy Garcia, uh, a great, uh, you know, supporting actor. Um, of course, now he's basically just plays supporting performances in Kristen Wiig movies, but you know, that's a good gig if you can get it. Um, I don't know. He's just got all the menace and all the, you know, the tight buttoned up class that you need from like a role to where this, this very silly sort of lightweight movie has like a little bit of, just like a little bit of threat, just like a little bit of pressure applied. No, yeah, he plays it perfectly. I feel he's, he's very... He's like refined, but like powerful, and he's the pro- it. Even though he, <laughs> Tony Terry Benedict has not done anything wrong. Like no, he, like <laughs> he's 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 likely a criminal. Like within the confines of the movie, like but we haven't found that out. Like, we don't know anything that he's done bad. Uh, other no, he's than just that, really he good at running a casino. Any Danny Ocean's he... <laughs> ex-wife. Yeah, but like. He plays it so well that, like, you do hate him just because Danny Ocean hates him. And I guess that's George Clooney doing it, too. But, like, there's no reason to actually dislike him, given the given the facts of the film. But oh. he is still an excellent villain and very powerful. You yeah, only... I think if he was hot, like, it wouldn't work. So he had to, like, really play it, like, not sexy. Like, powerful, he's, but not he's sexy. He's hot in, an, in his own way, but not yeah. in, a, in an overt George Clooney, Danny Ocean. Right. Of like, he, could, he couldn't be, because I was thinking of, like, like, if, like, Javier played him. And then I was like, no, he would be too sexy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that Hard. kind of, there's, like, sexy villains, and you couldn't really have a sexy villain in this role, or it would distract from it i was wondering early on in the film like what the sex life is like for like how did these two get together what's in it for julia what's in it for what's in it for tess what's what do they do sexually you know he doesn't make her laugh but yeah that's what i doesn't make her cry that's what's in it for her 
doesn't cry anymore. She's had Danny Ocean, you know, who's always off running jobs. And, you know, I bet he's missed some birthdays and some Christmases. You know what, Terry Benedict? He's everywhere on time. He's obviously a very rich man. You know, that's let's not discount that. Allows uh, Tess to do her art curation job. Um, you know, it's security. That's what Terry Benedict represents. It's it's tight security. It's a, a, a dependency. You always know where he's going to be. You always know what he's going to be up to. And uh, but unfortunately, that's I mean that's he would sell out Tess to get his money back, and that's and that's the final drop. That's the final straw. Yeah. Yeah. He of all people should know that. In this hotel, someone is always watching. Someone's always watching. Uh, all you would-be screenwriters out there. That's called Plant and Payoff. And uh, this movie does <laughs> it very, very well. Um, it's like a slight nitpick. It's like a little unclear to to me during the heist of like how much of throwing Danny off the job is part of it. Like, is that a work by Rusty and them? Or is it legit? Because like... You know, Livingston's ready to, like, patch in the feed to Julia's hotel room, like, right away. So they they do care about Danny's emotional investment. There's no other reason for them to do that. There's no, like, strategic advantage to them doing that. But maybe Livingston's just, like, a nice guy, you know? It does seem like it's part of the overall plan for there to be a part where they don't have him in. And I that could be, like... As a failsafe in case any of the other guys get, like, caught, I guess. Where, like, they can't... They wouldn't be saying, like, it was with Danny because he's, like, not on the job anymore. Even though he arranged the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, Maybe. that felt kind of like a, they needed a they needed a conflict. They needed, like, a, a turn. And there wasn't really anywhere else to turn it. And so that was kind of the only conflict they could... They needed a Rusty and danny conflict and it wasn't yeah it did feel it that felt forced for me it was like just like a dash it's not like they're gonna trust rusty with these explosives down in the vault by himself this it's it it was all part of it but rusty has to you know i guess i guess a big part of heisting is putting on costumes and wigs because you know he comes in as a little doctor character then he comes in as the swat guy um, unfortunately, the first time I watched this movie, I, uh, I have, a, I have, like, a pretty good ability to tell, like, if somebody's voice is somebody's voice, so I'm like, oh, that's Brad Pitt talking mm. on, the, on the walkie-talkie. Like, I'm clued into this a little early, unfortunately. I remember, like, that part and being like, oh, it's weird they, like, kind of, because I did not know how the plot went, so I was like, this has such obvious ADR. Like, I wonder why they're doing <laughs> Like, why didn't they show this guy's face? This is like, and you're like for oh. this movie, I'm surprised they like <laughs> overlooked this ADR, and I was like overthinking it. And then the payoff, I was like, oh my god! Like, oh my god! <laughs> um, this movie is also constructed in such a way, and like my brain operates in such a way that like every time between when I watch it, I forget like exactly how the heist thing works, and I'm like, okay, so the so the so they're watching the security footage of this part but the money is still in bags and they're like carrying it out and like whatever i'm a little dope it just like works on me every time yeah i don't think i fully understood the heist until it was like the 10th time i was watching the movie yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, first, I, I first saw it when i was probably like seven and so like <laughs> pretty complex I, 
I had no idea what was going on. And then even now today, while like while leading up to the reveal of what's going on, I'm still like what happened again and then like but then during it i understand but if you asked me to talk it through right now i wouldn't right be able to (laughs) immediately after oceans 11 closes like explain the heist to me and you're like i'm sorry i can't do it never be able to do that it's like the magic trick of this movie that you're like it works i don't know like they it makes sense while you're watching it and then you're like wait what is the a to b to c that just happened yeah, and then and then the and then the the money's cut in half, and then some of it turns into flyers, and then there are SWAT, yeah. <laughs> SWAT team, and then the feed goes out, and really the pinch is just for that one moment where they're falling down the elevator, which was weird yeah. to me that you would That's just. It. Black that out you the whole city. Black out the whole city. <laughs> That's the only city. way to get through these lasers. That that part was weird to me. I was like, I'm missing a part of the heist. Like, I feel like I was overthinking it. Because I was like, it can't be that. Like, It can't just be that. It kind of throws everything into, like, a, a bit of chaos. You know what I mean? It kind of it kind of unseats. I mean, it does start, like, a minor riot in the casino. That was everyone's, good. like, trying to steal poker chips and shit. That was really um, good. Yeah. So that's a good bit. Yeah. It's just it's throwing off the equilibrium. I guess it's a little bit more than them going down the elevator shaft, although mostly about them uh, going down the elevator shaft. Sure. I uh, mean, there's there's film reasons why you, this pinch happened, but for yes. the plan, all they needed was for the elevator. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's why I was confused because I <laughs> it's, I it's have heavy. this complex watching like classic boy movies where like I get in my head about it and I'm like I'm not smart enough for this. There's stuff in here that I just wouldn't get. So then I like overanalyze everything mm-hmm. being like what are the boys seeing that i can't see and then <laughs> when there's plot holes i'm like oh no it is just usually that simple it is just <laughs> <laughs> no goodfellas is just about people doing crimes you know like it's, it's really that's it it's all on the surface people doing crimes and cocaine that's what it's about <sighs> i love when people do crimes crimes are just fun to watch this is a this is a movie there's a franchise all about watching people do crimes crimes are great there's nothing better as a plot for a movie than crime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, there's so much to play with because Absolutely. There are so many laws, you know? Yeah. There's inherent danger of just like breaking laws. I'm watching I'm like, are they gonna get caught? Are they gonna die? That could happen. Like I think I'm breaking laws all the time and I just don't know it. Like it's Probably part of the human experience. Absolutely. A lot of laws. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think there is a more consistent genre than heist. I think more so than any other kind of movie, if you put on a heist movie, even one you know nothing about, there is a better chance than it's going to be pretty good than any other kind of movie. And that's my issue with action in general, is I think I can get like fooled into thinking I'm watching a heist movie. And get really excited about it. Like, even in, like, Marvel movies. If I, if even for an instant think I'm about to watch a heist, I'm like, ooh, I'm all plugged in. And then it turns into, like, then the action just... and, yeah, no follow through. And then I'm like, ugh, can't believe I put my heart and soul into this. I know. Uh, speaking of Marvel, there was something that I thought about while watching this movie where, like, so many Marvel movies you can very obviously tell that, like, no one was in the same fucking room at the same time. And there is just something really nice to like watching this movie and seeing like all 11 of these people in the same room, in the same shot. And you're like, that's just a very powerful piece of 
filmmaking. It's just like, look at all these people in one spot at one time, getting a nice dolly shot in front of the in front of the fountain. Yeah, what did you think of that? Did you like that? It's did so that... good. It's <laughs> so good. It's just beautiful and they're all catharsis. Leaving. I it's think perfect. It's silly, but <laughs> they leave one by one, and then Carl Reiner's it's the all last at the one. end. Come on, it's beautiful. I think it's, it's sentimental, it's silly, but cute. It's silly but cute. It's it's I'll like take it. it's like bromance, you know, at its yeah. heart. Just the the tap on the back, just the camaraderie, the like yeah. we did it, Joe. Yeah, that's all that. That's that's dude. That's the most like affection dudes will ever show. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that is the most important emotional relationship in all of those men's lives, and they don't say a word. It, you don't need to. They stare at the fountain. It's like the here's how you here's how your dad hangs out with another dude. They both stare at the same thing for a little while, and they're like best relationship in my entire life (laughs) they tap each other on the back once or twice and they get out of there yeah men will fish in complete silence for three hours with their best dude friend and that's that's all they need like it's it's just that's it you look at the fountain claire de lune plays that's all i wish that happened to me every day just me and the boys look at the fountain for a little while i guess i could live that life that's possible (laughs) This is backtracking a little bit to watching dudes do crime, but I, I mean, we're in this, we're a little bit out of it now, but for, you know, a good five year period, we were in this hell of media anti-heroes and discourse surrounding them. And like this, they, all of these dudes are bad guys, um, but we root for them. I'd I'd say they're all anti-heroes. We got 11 good examples here. I think that this this is how you do it. This is how you make an anti-hero in film. Absolutely. Linus is just like a pickpocket. He's like the guy who like takes your wallet on the on the Chicago above ground train. Yeah. That's an that's a piece of shit thing to do. But you're like, oh, he's the best pickpocket, you say. That's interesting. Did either of you see Kimberly Akimbo on Broadway? Yeah. I did not. Um Okay, well, that's kind of a heist musical, Kevin. But Whoa, I would not... <laughs> say no more. But, the, like, but their thing is that they're robbing from random people, just like Linus. Like, they, they pull letters wow. out of the mail, and then they just take people's utilities checks and rewrite what they're putting on the checks. And oh it's like, God. these are rent-paying individuals, and you're just, like, stealing from them. That's not, that's not, good. That's not good business. Wow. Amazing song though. I don't remember a lot about that musical. That was one of those musicals where I walked away and I was like, I don't think similar to the heist. I don't think I could tell you chronologically what happens <laughs> what in this happened. musical, but I did really love Bonnie's song, which is basically about doing crime because life's hard and you know, you got to make ends meet and live life. And I love yeah. that. That's all true. Bonnie's Bonnie's too right. I think part of what helps the anti-hero thing is is again like you're up against Terry Benedict, who again by all accounts is like a rule following, like above board sort of guy. He maybe has like you know some guys that'll break your legs or right. whatever, but like he runs a casino. Like they all have fucking. He's not any worse than you any have of to the be other a little ones. threatening in case thieves come in to steal your <laughs> millions of dollars. Right on like the biggest money night of the year where you're having like an HBO pay per view. You know, like you got. I fucking have your shit on lock and uh and you know what i but he's just you just like ooh, i don't like that guy he reminds me of people i don't like that i've met before and i do wish someone would rob him and i it, i don't think it comes up in this movie it comes up in like oceans 12 that like he got all this money back from insurance like all of this money is insured to hell Whoa. um 
Exactly. Crazy. But they will like, you know, it's but they'll still thing. send a, those those two bald men to like follow you in their car at the end. And I nice That was note. good too. That was good being like like silver sedan in the corner. Like I was just like, "What?" Yeah. And then I was like, mm. "Oh my god." They're following a plot beat that Soderbergh will repeat uh verbatim in Logan Lucky, uh his his other incredible heist film. Is that when Wolverine tries to get lucky at a casino i wish no it's channing tatum adam driver daniel craig and riley keogh and they rob a race car track they're like it's like redneck oceans 11 they even have like two characters who are literally just the twins from this movie like they just repeat the exact same archetype again uh, and it's great. It's it's fantastic. Logan That's Lucky amazing, better than Ocean's Thirteen. Cast. Yeah, it's great. You should check it out. Completely fucking good, watchable movie. Just like this one. Just like this one. I've also never seen it, but if it's got a, if it's anything like Ocean's Eleven, and it sounds like it's beat for beat the exact same thing, I'm in. Yeah, hundred percent. Throw that on. You'll have a you'll have a great evening. That's a super watchable movie. And in the last like fifteen minutes of that movie, Hillary Swank shows up to be like, "I will catch these thieves." It's <laughs> it's incredible. It's really good, you know. And they made two sequels to this movie because it was a big big hit. People were very mad about Ocean's Twelve, and then they went back and they the entire press tour for Ocean's Thirteen was like, "We're sorry, we're sorry. This one is just the first one again. We're just doing it again, but we're robbing Al Pacino." And then they made Ocean's 8, where, you know, which is related to this movie, makes a very controversial opinion to kill off Danny Ocean. I think he's faking it. He um, was. It's, it, it, it is clear. Ruben <laughs> really, really throws some mustard on it. It's like, yeah, sure, Danny Ocean's dead. Um, now, you know, I, I feel like we, we've talked a lot of good stuff here about Ocean's 11. Great film. Check it out if you in the listening audience have somehow never heard it. I do have maybe a little fun little task for us if if we wanna if we wanna do a little section if if we are rebooting Ocean's Eleven, oh god, you know, not like the prequel movie with Margot Robbie or whatever that they're working on. We're doing our own. Do we want to build the cast of our Ocean's Eleven? Yeah, and my first choice is Wayne Brady. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> The newly out pansexual icon Wayne yeah. Brady. Yeah, first right. pick. So we got Wayne Brady. Next, Colin Mockery. <laughs> Ryan Stiles. Drew Carey. Colin would uh, be a really good, like, computer guy. Colin would be fun. And they would have but a no, really good just, rapport. It would be weird if there were two Who's Line guys. No, it would be weird. I'm fine with it being Wayne. <laughs> no, there's, like, two Departed guys. I don't, I think two This is pretty Departed anyway. Um, so who's, I think, maybe this time, maybe it's not all dudes. You know what I mean? It's It's 2023. <laughs> oceans 20 oceans 23 you know we're you know it's time you can't, we're not all doing it. it's 23 uh cast members um let's see who's up do we want Margo, sydney Margo sweeney Robbie. is there a place for sydney sweeney well yeah Margo's already doing her like 19th century europe oceans prequel or whatever which like yeah sounds good i'll watch that yeah I, sydney sweeney's fine <laughs> She's good at stuff. I mean, she's good. I've she's, literally never seen her act in my entire life. I like, I like her acting. She's good. Yeah, she's hot. You know, you need stars in this picture. You know, we, but we she need her, that we her thing is she's good, and she like just takes advantage of the everyone the the objectification of that everyone thinks she's really really hot. Mm-hmm. But she is good, and she kind of plays into um, 
yeah, she's she's a very sophisticated business person. That Sydney Sweeney. I love that. Is this Cillian Murphy's time? Yes, he's he's gonna win an Oscar, and Ooh. then he'll go do the Ocean's Eleven reboot. <laughs> but he is in the test part. <laughs> he's he is in the test part. He is the the character that our hero is trying to win back. Who's our Danny? That's a good question. So we already did Sandy Bullock. She's out. Nan Hathaway's in Ocean's Eight, so she's out. Yeah. That was a, that was an easy one for me. Who's the George Clooney of today? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's we're talking about one of the fundamental problems that we like. We don't really have a George Clooney of today. I mean, Ryan Gosling is kind of in that. I like right now. that. He's I think having that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After being gone for like five years, like it's nice to like see you in a movie again, Ryan. You're actually a very charming movie star i kind of like ryan for the rusty part i like goofy yeah. ryan mm. that's what i was he's like too. he's he's getting into the robbing late in li- later in life yeah. he's like he's like still the young thief but he's like 45 <laughs> yeah, he's, he's salt and push in 50s the young thief uh yeah a hundred a hundred percent who would be um, good in Matt Damon's role? It can be it can be any gender. A young buck, star of tomorrow. Um, you know, or who are we minting? Who are who of the young stars of today? We, you know, we're we're crowning we're somebody. Taking a risk on it's you. You're the next one. Okay, I think is Sersha too big for this part? Oh, Sersha would be good, maybe in a different. In a different part, yeah, maybe. Yeah. She's a I was thinking. Too big for well, the actually, Sherja Ronan was on my short list of who I would want the ninth member of the Thief Guild mm. to be if they did Ocean's Nine. It was her <laughs> and Nicole Byer. I was like, it's got to be Ooh. one of these two. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> Nicole Byer is a fun one. I say put them in. They're both in great. somewhere on the team. I'm all for it. That's great. I, I was thinking. That. I was thinking Finn Wolfhard or the gay one from Stranger Things could be good. <laughs> the gay one. Oh, maybe that's a good Linus. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we are, and Finn has maybe had like the best career outside of those movies. So maybe that's a good, we'll crown them on the shoulders there. I think that's, I think that's nice. I think Kristen Stewart or Elliot Page would be good mm-hmm. if they were dating even better. Um, even better. <laughs> uh, yeah, k Death, 100%. Yeah, fuck. Throw them both on there. Case Elliot Page is your villain. steady hand. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Elliot Page on the good side and Kristen Stewart on the bad side would be good. Oh my god, Aubrey Plaza, obviously. <laughs> obviously. In this. It's a surprise she wasn't in Ocean's 8. 100%. She must just, like, have not checked her phone that day or something. It's, it's, it's wild. I'm an adamant Ocean's 8 defender. I think that movie rules as well i think i think it's time i think it's time beyonce comes back remember when she was in gold member (laughs) and dream girls i will never forget when she was in gold member i think you know previously pitched for the old oceans mike myers is on my (laughs) ocean squad mike that's one of the old guys back yeah, yes. and he's Mar- in and like the Carl Reiner, like he plays funny characters. And, and Steve Martin like and Martin Short. As the and twins. Selena Gomez. As the, as the twins. <laughs> as the twins. It's two old dumb twins this time. This is good. I've lost track of how many people. Is Alan Alda still alive? Because he was on that short list, and I think he'd still be good. <laughs> Alan Alda. Well, he is. He's, he's not alive. a young man, but he is alive. He's still kicking. God bless Dick, him. Dick Von Dyke. 
Another guy who's still kicking. Mel Brooks. <laughs> now it's all old yeah, guys. Now we gotta get old old, old dudes in this one. Old white dudes. <laughs> when we're in, yeah, we're in real we had a, we tried to say like let's do mixed gender casting, and it was still I'd say nine tenths men. You know, progress is slow, even on the Run the Julius <laughs> podcast. Listen, we're responding to why you know the the trends of the people, and we need to just we need young. <laughs> Female and non-binary stars to get pushed up over the top. Oh, yeah. Rachel Sennett and A. Yeah, <laughs> A. Love A. Love Ao and Debris is so good for yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Our A- oh my god, Ao and Debris would version. slay. She would if, be so good because she can if be both. Martin and Short turn us down. I think Sennett and Debris are great twins. You oh my I god, mean? yeah. I think that's. I think that's that's printing money. That's liquid gold. Somebody corrected me when I kept calling her Rachel Sennell. And they were like, it's Senate. And I was like, I don't care. She's not French. <laughs> She's not Jewish either. I've been I hoping that the Panabakers from Disney Channel would make a comeback. Maybe they're good <laughs> for this. Oh. Brother, sister, sister, uh, Melissa Benios from Glee and Supergirl. Let's go. Oh, 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 oh. Um, our favorite from Glow and Miss Davis. Oh, Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin. Oh, yeah, that's that's, that's a your really Danny good Ocean. call. That's your Danny Ocean. That's your Danny Ocean. That would be that so is your Danny good. Ocean. Lock it in. Damn. Print. Green light. Right the screen. Betty, congrats. Amazing. Well, thank thank you both for following me on that thought experiment. Um, who who were the stars of today and tomorrow that we're going to fill our our reboot of Ocean's Eleven? Yeah, I wish I had more modern movie stars off the top of my head um but i didn't i think we got that was plenty that was more than enough we probably had like 13 people there my first pick was wayne brady so i feel like we're already first round draft pick wayne brady (laughs) i know i love it because i never would have gotten to wayne brady despite being a who's line kid growing up never would have gotten to wayne brady but i love that yeah i mean it took one little gay thing for me to be like and you're back (laughs) on my radar (laughs) <laughs> One little gay thing, and suddenly I'm watching old hoedowns <laughs> That's on YouTube. Cat, that's what happened with you and Matt Damon, too. <laughs> exactly. Wow. I was One like, once Matt thing. Damon stopped saying faggot, I started paying attention. You know what? God bless. Also, it's funny, because in the Wikipedia page that now everyone has read three times by the end <laughs> of listening to this, um, it, it, do- it says that he thought it was fag but fagot was more of a slur but <laughs> no <laughs> the distinction's really funny for me i don't know why i do think you know not to take his side i do think there is a difference between calling someone a fag and calling someone a faggot i do think they're two different sure. actions i just exist in a vacuum where it's it's flung around all the time in whimsy mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> That's where I'm at, but I I feel like if I well, if if both of those words were said to me in a hateful way, I wouldn't read them any differently. I feel <laughs> Absolutely, like, I feel like I would receive them in the same whimsy way. Yeah, whimsy, mirth. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I do find uh, it I, funny when I hear it directed it, it, towards my direction. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's kind of fruity that you're saying that. Like. It, there's, <laughs> Wayne Brady was also on an episode of 30 Rock, so maybe our cast of Ocean's Eleven could all be guest actors from 30 Rock. Conan. Uh, <laughs> John Hamm would be Conan good. I love Conan in my Oceans. That'd be easy. Um, 
was it now i'm blanking john early could be great john uh, Hamm. oh my god john early and kate berlant <laughs> kate berlant. would be fun Incredible. they only need two scenes but they would be great they would have everything that we that we need a hundred percent a hundred percent um and i love that i respect that holly hunter sorry i'm throwing another one on there i want little holly on there anyway i wonder on. what Bo burnham would do in an ensemble piece i think it's not his bag no but i'm curious about it he had that tv show for like six seconds but wasn't it about him yeah but you know there were other characters <laughs> he plays a supporting role in the big sick Starring Kumail Nanjiani. And in He's Promising in... Young Woman. Yeah. In Promising Young Woman. That was Stars are blind clip. or whatever. Yeah, 100, 100%. So, this sounds good. Uh, well, thank you both. Any 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 concluding thoughts on Ocean's Eleven from either of you? I love when things go boom, and I love a good scheme. Love a good scheme. And what I... is heist if not a big scheme? So sorry. It's usually a scheme within a scheme gotta have that final last thing that the audience wasn't even expecting uh, but it all makes sense because of what they've set up leading up to it uh, yeah. I, you know this so is one good. of the great like we said at the top one of the greatest films of all time I you know I don't I don't rewatch a ton of movies and especially not, not, not ones that I saw like a year ago mm-hmm. um, and you know but I was thrilled to be given a reason to rewatch Ocean's Eleven despite having seen it so recently and so, I mean, I'm sure I'll watch it again within the next five years. I, I mean, this is, this is a great film. Yeah. Great. Super watchable. You can throw it on any time and it just, it goes down smooth no matter what you're, no matter what you're feeling. Uh, yeah, Sam, like you said, on the, on the sight and sound ballot is Ocean's Eleven. I mean, just what a, what a film. What a, what a great piece. During pandemic, my first pandemic birthday. Your first pandemic. My first pandemic of many. Um, for if I my, have anything to say about it for my <laughs> birthday, when I usually would like go see a movie or a Broadway show or something, and I was like, "Well, shit, you know, can't really do that in the same old way." I like rented a car with my girlfriend at the time, and we drove to a drive-in movie theater to go see Ocean's Eleven. And you know what? It was a balm for the soul seeing Ocean's Eleven in the heart of all of that. I felt like I totally. was pulling off a heist. That must have system. felt. Yeah, that must have felt really good cuz like really that was a world that seemed so far away during that period of time like being in casinos in groups of people 11 people congregating together yeah. like it was in just the same room <laughs> <laughs> like it just working didn't for feel... a common purpose <laughs> no way no way uh but yeah so that was that was great a beautiful a beautiful shangri-la uh this is a great film if you're listening to this and you somehow have not seen it uh fucking oceans 11 check it out um but we will not be rolling right into oceans 12 uh because we are uh, doing well yes because we i need the right guest for i need someone who understands oceans 12 maybe that's sam like a year from now who knows but i need someone who is like on the wavelength appreciates the oceans 12 um so i we will do be t- but you know i completely understand if you're going for someone else um i'll just say my oceans 12 piece here now please it's just so fun it's just so it's i mean fun. It, okay sure it's not as tight as the tightest film ever put to film but it's you're having a great time and the music's it, excellent mute 
incredible soundtrack to Ocean's 12. Oh, we'll get to it. And also uh, one of the most beautiful looking movies of all time. Anyway, Ocean's 12, check it out. Uh, but next we will be doing, uh, uh, I believe with guest Aaron Harland, we will be talking about a, an all-time Julia classic. This is on the Julia Mount Rushmore. We're going to be talking about fucking Notting Hill, baby. Run the hill, baby. Run that hill. Running up the hill. Make a deal with good. I think good. I've seen very few Julia Roberts movies. In, There's in a lot of good ones. Existence. And you know, we're watching a lot of good ones up front. We got to start covering a few stinkers and like filter them in. We got we a lot of bullshit to watch for this show. No, There's I'm not two having, that. Like, there's two I'm not doing that Kevin is doing and I am not doing because I was like I don't really care and Kevin's like that's okay we can save it till all the way down the list and those two are the Woody Allen and the Mel Gibson ones yeah the Woody Allen which I already have guests lined up for there are people that need to get that's that really demon funny. off their back uh, and a movie starring Mel Gibson not directed by Mel Gibson uh, but like we, you know, after after Notting Hill, I think we're gonna do we're gonna do a couple of more niche Julia uh, projects that I've had guests demand uh, to talk about, and I'm like, sounds good, because I don't want to get like three or four years into this fucking show, and then it's like Charlotte's Web, Eat, Pray, Love, just like <laughs> you know, just like I don't want to save all those thinkers for 2026. Um, so so we're doing this, but Sam, any plugs anything that you want the people to know about and check out sure well you mentioned most up at the top uh i'm i'm one of the hosts of the bitter jurors podcast where i cover survivor every season um we can follow us at bitter jurors pod everywhere and i also host the buffy boyfriends podcast (laughs) with my boyfriend uh and we are i you know i have the season two finale episode sitting in my chamber and i've had it for over a month and i haven't been uploading it but that'll be coming out uh very shortly and uh we're moving into season three that's at buffy boyfriends yeah just at buffy boyfriends on everywhere amazing uh cat anything from you yeah i'm cat scott you can follow me at cat scott online on instagram um i want to turn my little video game into a real thing so hopefully i'll start making whatever (laughs) content i have to for that um but you can find fragments of it um in my like link tree bio etc um and i'm always doing stuff so feel free to say hi acknowledge that you've listened to this before i still don't know any listeners personally in my bubble um so would love to meet you (laughs) but i know that kevin gets interactions through his socials and that's great this is too true uh, you know, people people love sending the feedback. They love requesting various Mike Nichols movies that they want uh, to guest on. Yeah, and I'm TV's Kevin Lanigan everywhere. The brand is strong. Uh, the other show, Movies for Babies, uh, where we talk uh, uh, long and and uh, stupid about uh, movies for young people. And uh, you can get that show and this show one entire week early, as well as bonus episodes and archives of other uh, podcasts over at patreon.com slash TV's Kevin for as little as $1 a month. Uh, you know, we've had, we have other spinoffs of this that we've talked about run the Emma Roberts or whatever the fuck we would call it. 
Um, we've talked about other other projects that we could do, but the best way to incentivize us to actually do that uh, is over at patreon.com slash TV's Kevin uh, and divide up that, that, that cheddar, that sweet green. Uh, if you want more frequent episodes of this show, again, that's the best place to incentivize us uh, to do that. And uh, as I said, we'll be back, you know, in a few weeks, whatever span of time, uh, to talk about Notting Hill, baby. Run, Run the hill. hill. Running up that hill is the title of next pod. So keep a lookout after this one comes out. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as always, be like Monet or Manet and paint occasionally. Our sign off every week. Paint occasionally. Paint occasionally. <laughs> Big mistake, huge. This is the best part of my day.